gun. Castellanos left, third down and six from the 47 of Fordham. Takes the snap, he airs it out, deep up the near side. It is pulled down by Ian Williams. He's tussling with Ross on the ground for it. And it's Fordham football. Fourth down and two from the 13 of Lafayette. Matzel gets the ball. He drops back. They're bringing several. Throw over the middle. Caught by Wetzel. He goes into the end zone for the touchdown. 13 yards. Brian Wetzel's second touchdown catch of the game. And Fordham now down 27-13. And we welcome you to Monday Night Quarterback here on FordhamSports.com, a production of WFUV Sports. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo with you. We're going to have Ian Pace on when we talk X's and O's. We're going to have Ian Williams and Mason Halter on later when we go inside the huddle. But first we begin with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead and the Rams fell for the first time this season last week. It was a 27-14 defeat. The hands of a Lafayette team that really, record-wise, doesn't look that good. But really, last week, they showed why they're going to compete for a Patriot League title against Lehigh this Saturday. Yeah, um, Lafayette's a good football team, and you know I, I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, Coach Devani and his staff did an excellent job preparing the game plan, and the kids did a, uh, you know, a very good job executing it. So um, certainly a, you know, a very disappointing performance by Fordham. Um, we didn't coach well enough or execute well enough in any phase of the game, and you know that's my responsibility. And you know we're going to get it right moving forward. And coach, obviously one of the biggest stories heading into this game was the status of quarterback Michael Niebrick. He wasn't able to play in this one. Peter Matzel ends up getting the start. How do you evaluate Matzel now that you had some time to think about it and, and see how he played in this game? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. You know, Peter had a you know, excellent performance coming off against. Up coming off of the bench against Bucknell and, you know, threw for over 300 yards in, in uh, you know, just over three quarters. And, you know, he had a great week of practice. We felt comfortable with, um, you know, his ability to execute the game plan, you know, heading into the game. And, and for large parts of the game, he did. But um, there were just a couple of things, you know, some decisions, um, some fundamentals with his footwork and his throws where he missed some guys. And then, you know, some guys not being able to hold on to the ball or tipping the ball. So, um, you know, that's the nature of the position. Uh, playing quarterback, so um, you know Peter will bounce back. You know he'll he'll do a good job moving forward. But uh, like like the entire program, it, it wasn't it wasn't the best day for Peter, and it wasn't the best day for any of us. So that's uh, uh, yeah, it's our job to get it right. We'll talk further about Michael Niebrick's status for the Colgate game in our look ahead later on in the show. But coach, when you look back at the last couple of weeks, very close games against Holy Cross and Bucknell. In hindsight, looking at whether it's turnovers or penalties, were there red flags that, that maybe could have been seen, especially now in hindsight where maybe it's a little easier to look back, where maybe you could have seen maybe the wheels coming off a little bit on the, on the perfect season? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. You know, you look at, it, at each game as its own separate entity, and uh, obviously penalties have been an issue that's plagued us throughout the season, but I think this game was really the first instance where you really saw a tangible uh, negative result because of, because of the penalties. Uh, you know, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, this recent phenomena of uh, turning the ball over—you know, starting with um, you know the, the Bucknell game—really is something that, that loses football games. And I, I said that to the team before the game: that if, if we win the turnover battle, we'll win the game. If we lose the turnover battle, we won't. And um, we didn't. So, um, you know, obviously, that you know that that's two areas that we've got to uh, rectify moving forward against a very good Colgate team. And, Coach, you talked about penalties, turnovers. One of the biggest penalties of the game, first drive of the game, you guys have a nice drive going. Carlton Kuntz has a nice run, eventually gets called back on a, on a holding penalty. 
and just talk about how that affected you guys in terms of setting a tone for the game. Um, it hurt because that could have been certainly a, a touchdown drive or a field goal at least. Michael ended up missing a 47-yarder, which is really on the far end of his range. And then you could see it here that, you know, we're, we're, we're on the heels of the red zone. You know, we end up going for it. And, um, you know, we get the penalty, which calls it back. Uh, we don't convert to third down, then we have to make a field goal attempt. But I think there were three instances uh, where we had penalties offensively that either took us out of scoring range or, or, or really kind of killed the momentum of a drive. One on that play, uh, one on Sam's hold, and then one on uh, Fisher's hold, throwing the ball down to uh, Wetzel down at the 10-15 yard line area right before the half. So those were all instances where we were either in scoring position or putting putting ourselves in position to score. And you know that's uh, you know that's a, just a sign of those penalties coming to bite us. On earlier, Coach, you talked about winning the turnover battle, and your defense did come up with four interceptions. One in particular I thought at the time would be the, the point that we look back at, at the end of the game and saying this is how Fordham won the game. And it didn't end up that way, but a Stephen Hodge pick, back of the end zone, your team is already down 10 nothing. What was the feeling with the team at that point when you get that interception, then bring it down the field 80 yards for a touchdown? That was a huge momentum swing. And, you know, take a look at the play there. We're in, you know, our red zone coverage, and they're trying to sneak the tight end over the top. And Steven made a tremendous play, as he's done all year. And, you know, we're, we've been a very good red zone defense. I think we're first in the Patriot League in red zone defense. And, uh, you know, Steven's having a, a uh, Patriot League, you know, defensive player of the year type of season. And he makes another impact play there. And, you know, we, I believe we drove down and scored off of that turnover and, and turned it into points. But, you know, it just there, there were, the defense did a tremendous job throughout the day creating turnovers and giving the opportunity, the ball, and possession, uh, particularly in the third quarter. You know, we just didn't capitalize on it offensively. And heading into the, the second half of this game, you, you mentioned it, offensive struggles in the third quarter. In your eyes, what were the biggest problems that you guys were having, and, and why couldn't you overcome them? No, we, we couldn't. Uh, that was a combination of things. I mean, we, we just, you know, we were having a little bit of trouble running the ball. Um, you know, we, we, we missed some throws and uh, couldn't convert third downs. And I believe we went three and out on three successive series in the third quarter. And, and any time you do that in a game that's that close and, you know, they're slowing, you know, as t- most teams do against us, they're slowing the tempo of their offense down. They're huddling and snapping the ball with four or five seconds. It, limit, it limits the number of possessions you're going to get in a game to begin with. So for us to, for our defense to play well in the third quarter and, you know, stop them on three successive drives and, and for the offense not to do anything with those possessions, um, you know, I think that kind of was you know, the deciding factor in, in the game because our defense played well up until about, you know, four, four, three or four minutes left in the third quarter and gave up a score and, you know, we just, you know, we couldn't ger- generate any offense. Yeah, well, and towards the end, it seemed like there was a lot of fatigue there. Your defense was on the field for 35 minutes. Towards the end, Ross Sherman really was able to start piling up the big gains, especially on counter plays, I, I noticed, during the game. How do you guys avoid having a rushing attack like what Lafayette did uh, really affect you guys late in a game like that where it seemed like they wouldn't give you a chance to get back into it? Yeah, well, for, for um, all the things our defense did well, and, and, I, and I, you know, we, we talked about in our team meeting on Sunday, anytime we hold a team to 27 points with what we do offensively, you know, we expect the offense to, to score more points than that. But uh, one of the things that we weren't pleased with defensively was the amount of rushing yards we let up. Uh, I believe we only had one tackle for loss the entire day. Shoreman didn't have any negative yardage rushes. And, they, you know, they certainly were getting some numbers and angles with that counter play. But, uh, you know, we have to defend the run better. And, uh, you know, that wasn't an acceptable performance by us defensively. But, you know, at the end of the day, we held them to a, to a, 
a low number of points and um, you know gave the offense opportunity. So it, once again, it, it, it all three phases, none of them were acceptable, and you know it, it's all my responsibility. So we'll get it right. And coach, what are the biggest keys or biggest things that you're going to take away from this game as you move forward towards Colgate? Um, you got to have a full great week of preparation and practice uh, to earn the right to win during the game, mentally and physically. That would be number one. Number two, that you can't turn the ball over five times in the game and expect to win. And uh, you know, number three, you, you just got to come out every week and uh, you know play at your highest level. And um, I don't think we um, did any of those things. All right. Well, Coach, we'll continue to talk with you about the Colgate game later on. But right now, we're going to go ahead and talk with Ian Pace, Fordham tight end coach. When we go and talk X's and O's. Coach, you look at the tight ends group that you guys have this year, and you guys really have a talented crew with Dan Light and Faison Odom and Adam Malkowitz. You guys have a very talented crew over there. Yeah, you know, um, I'm fortunate. I have, uh, in my opinion, I have the best tight end in the league and then one of the better ones in the entire country. This backup, Adam, would play most teams in the Patriot League. And Faison's futures, I mean, it's limitless. He's 6'7", 240. Once we get them to figure it out, how to go hard every rep, every play, we'll be all right. You, you talked about Dan Lake, arguably one of the best the best tight ends in the Patriot League. And what is he able to do to be an effective player in the passing game? Uh, you know, uh, Danny, um, one, the first thing I want to talk about, I know you asked passing, but the thing that I think it's often overlooked about Danny is he's a great blocker. He's very physical in the run game. Uh, the pass game, you know, the thing that's made him really special this year is Last year, he would catch the ball, maybe fall down, let the first guy get him on the ground. This year, you know, he's had the ability to catch the ball, whether it be out in the flat or on a stick route, and it's never the first guy. And that's something when I took the job here with Coach Moorhead, he said, hey, you got to make sure Danny can make the first guy miss. And I have very little to do with Danny making the first guy miss, but uh, I'll take some credit for it right now because he's done a hell of a job of it all season. Well, and I want to take a look right now at a play where he did do a hell of a job with it. It's it's a play out of the flat, and really he flattens the first guy, makes a couple guys miss. Take me through what he's doing here. Is it purely physical? Is it just mentally wanting the extra yards? What is it about what he does that makes him so effective? Um, you know, Danny, when he gets the opportunity to catch the ball, uh, he takes personal pride in the fact that once he catches it, he wants to show everybody what he can do with it. You know, he's 6'5", 250, and we have so many talented playmakers around him in our wide receiver group and then Carlton in the backfield that, you know, he gets his touches. He wants to make sure, hey, you know, I, I can do some cool things too. And uh, he's done, a, I mean, a tremendous job when the ball is thrown his way. And, uh, you know, we have so many great players, though. I mean, you got to – when he gets a shot, he makes sure he makes the most of it because – you know, Sam Majala can take 180, and right now, Danny, I, I love him, but right now he takes one about 25, 30. So you got to, when you get it, when you get the most of it, make the most of it. So, And we talked about Dan Light's play on the field and how good a, and talented of a player he is, but talk about how good of a person he is off the field. We know that this is a very difficult season for him after the loss of his father and some of the things that he's been dealing with, and how has he been able to get through all of that? You know, um, we're talking a lot about Danny, and I have to, you know, because he's, he's really good. Uh, but the thing that makes him really special to me is he's the strongest person I've met in my life, not physically but mentally, um, to go through what he's gone through this season and not miss a beat. And, uh, you know, he's he just walks into the meeting room. He's got a smile on his face. And uh, I, I guess it's recent, but he's really come out of his shell, you know, and he uh, he makes a laugh for everybody on our uh, in our locker room. And, uh 
he does some unique things with his personality and his humor that uh, makes our staff laugh. I mean, he gets Coach Briner every week on the road games. He uh, does some unique things, and, uh, you know, he brings out you got to be intense, but you don't want to be too tense, and he definitely has a good balance of keeping us calm at times when you could get a little nervous. So <laughs> I guess to answer your question, you know, his mom is a very strong lady. His uh, younger sister is a very strong young woman, and they've surrounded him with a good support system, and uh, he's just take he's taken that and what his dad instilled in him, and he, he takes it to heart every day. So, Well, and it would be easy to talk about Dan really the entire time an all-Patriot League selection last year and, and seemingly a shoe-in this year, but let's talk about the other guys, specifically Adam Malkowitz, a guy who really doesn't get a lot of pub but who you see down on punt coverage seemingly every time the ball's kicked or he's involved in some special teams play where he makes a significant impact even though he's not starting on the offense. How much does it say about a guy like him, and and Dan Light was doing it earlier this year as well, to make an impact, not maybe catching the football, but on special teams like that? Um, Coach Lesky, our special teams coordinator, and our head coach, Coach Moritz, stress special teams is a third of the game. And uh, only having one tight end on the field most times, Adam's kind of figured out that the way for him to make his mark, and it's been encouraged to him, the way for him to make his niche is do a heck of a job on special teams. And, uh, you know, it's stressed to him in the individual meetings. It's stressed to him in special teams meetings that, hey, this is your opportunity to put yourself out on the field. And by doing a good job doing this, you're really helping our team out. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about Adam because he pays attention in meetings as if he was the starter. He's going to take every rep. And there's been a couple times where Danny's needed a blow throughout the season. And you feel completely comfortable sending Adam out there because he knows exactly what he has to do and he does a great job doing it. So I can't say enough about Adam. And, Coach, you were part of this Fordham team back in 2007 when they won the Patriot League with John Skelton and company as a player. Now you come back as a coach, part of this team this season, a very special season. What's that like for you? Um, You know, uh, as a player, it was awesome because historically Fordham has been a program that has struggled. Um, So to be a part of a team as a player that won a championship was obviously special. Um, This season – you know, we talk to our guys about being 1-0 every week, you know, and clearing the hurdle that's in front of you and not looking ahead or looking behind you. And uh, to be a part of this staff, and, I, again, thankful to Coach Moorhead and the rest of the staff, uh, you know, it's amazing what this coaching staff has done in the two years they've been here. Um, to go from 1-10 and to now you're sitting here 10-1, and uh, and, you know, we got to go 1-0 and this week. And if we do our business, take care of our business, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to continue playing as a family together. So. It's, it's truly been special, and it's just a testament to our whole coaching staff, what they've been able to do here and the values they've instilled in our players. And, Coach, finally, you know, I'm from the Cleveland area. Mason Halter, who we're having on in the next segment from the Cleveland area, so are you. You went to Avon Lake High School, and it seems that you guys are out of the playoffs at this point. Is there any comment that you have on, on the disappointing defeat, the opening round of the playoffs, whereas St. Ignatius is now on to play Manor this week? You know, obviously, being from Avon Lake, you, you do have a legacy that you have to fulfill. You know, won a state title there as a player. Um, you know, it's tough because you have one city to recruit from. Those are your oh, players. Okay. And oh, uh, St. Ignatius, they have the entire metropolitan area of Cleveland and the surrounding suburbs, and they do a good job. I mean, that's obviously why they're able to find Mason Halter from Hinkley, Ohio. Ah. All right. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's disappointing that Avon Lake's out of the playoffs, and uh, hopefully they'll bounce back again next year. 
and I wish Shane Ignatius nothing but the best moving forward in the well, playoff run. This will be a conversation that continues off the air. I can promise you that. Well, Coach, thank you very much. Now we take uh, you inside the huddle here with a couple of Fordham players that have made big impacts this season, including in last week's loss. We have Mason Halter, a junior offensive lineman who is uh, – the tallest person we've ever had on Monday Night Quarterback, and Ian Williams, who is not the tallest person we have ever had on Monday Night Quarterback. We're going to begin with Ian here for just a moment. The, uh, really a good performance for you, two interceptions, and, and now you've got five on the season. Four, take me four. through that. Four, I'm yeah. sorry, four on the season. So just take me through the, the impact plays you were able to make defensively this week. Uh, I, I just I just thank our coaches for uh, putting us in the right position to, to make plays, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Lafayette, they they got Mark Ross, a great, tremendous receiver who who loves jump balls, you know what I'm saying? And we practice jump balls all week, and that just put us in a position to make the play when it happened. So when you went into this game defensively, what were you planning on in terms of trying to work a true freshman quarterback who didn't really turn the ball over much at all in his three previous starts? You were able to get four interceptions as a defense. What specifically were you guys doing in game plans to try and make that happen? Um, I mean, I think we just went to play our same defense. You know what I'm saying? Of course, we, we did a couple couple different things with Mark Ross being such a, a great receiver in, in our league. Um, I mean, and besides that, we were, we were going to try to stop the run and everything like that, and we just we just had to play. So you guys were able to put together a pretty good defensive performance. Offensively, a, a different quarterback at the helm. And, and, Mason, when you're playing offensive line, how much does it change having maybe a different guy with the cadence and even the little things that go in week to week? Uh, it's a little different. Um, I mean, Pete, Pete and Niebrick are pretty much the same players athletically. They both move around well. They're both mobile. So the game, game plan didn't really change. We kept the same offense. Just went in there same same week. Same, same as Niebrick, same as Pete. It's all, all the same thing, pretty much. So when you look at the offensive game plan, a, a few more maybe screens. You guys ran the ball effectively in the first half. Were you guys planning to do that going into the week? Did it affect what you guys were planning to do at all? Um, no, I mean, last year we ran the ball really well against uh, Lafayette, so that was our game plan again, to r go run the ball. And uh, the screen just worked out well because it, it was mostly a stacked defense. So they, they had a lot of numbers in the box, and uh, – Screens, screens worked on the outside, so that's what we did. Now, Mace, let's take a look at a play here. It's a, a screen play. It was to the right. You're the left tackle, so maybe not necessarily a highlight for you. But screen plays, take me through what you guys are trying to do, what you're taught to do on a play like this. Definitely. Um, as an offensive line, uh, we're pretty much we're pass setting, and we pretty much just club the defensive line by, and we go up to the second level, and we just try to block all the linebackers. Nah, give Wetzel a big hole to run through and let him let him run, let him do his thing. Well, and you guys have a good amount of athleticism really on the line. You played a little bit of tight end in high school, moved to left tackle. Thomas Fisher uh, is is very mobile at right tackle. How much does that affect you guys being able to get to that second level, whether it's a screen play or even on running plays? Uh, it definitely helps a lot. I mean, just our overall athleticism as offensive line it helps helps us block linebackers relatively easily. But um, overall, we just we just uh, focus on the scheme, and if that's what the coaches want, that's what we're going to do. So that's how it is. So a good week there for you guys rushing the football, especially in the first half. Let's go back defensively. And I mentioned how many interceptions you had, and, and really you and Jordan Chapman both have been extremely good, especially in man coverage, which you're expected to do a lot. You guys as a duo, how impressive is it to have two guys who really should be all-conference when it's all said and done playing on opposite sides of the field, especially when you have to cover a guy like Mark Ross? Hmm. First of all, I want to say thank you. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's awesome, you know what I'm saying? And uh, 
I think having both Jordan and I is 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 fun and it's competitive because we just we just challenge each other to be better and better, you know. And really, looking at the play, Jordan Chapman with a tip interception, you went up and fought Mark Ross for a ball around the 5-10 yard line, a very impressive pick yourself. Mm-hmm. Which one was better? Are you willing to put one ahead of the other? I'm definitely willing to put Jordan's up there, man. Jordan, he's a, he's a freak athlete, and he's a tremendous player, and, and that was a, it was a great pick. It was a great way to look, at, to look the ball in fully. So knowing that you have a guy who can cover downfield like him, for you, that gives you a few more chances to come on the blitz to maybe do different things. How much does that help to know you've got a shutdown corner on the other side? Does that change the game planning for you? Um, I don't, I, don't th- I think it's just, it, it depends on our defensive coordinator. He calls the plays and we just try to make some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it's easy when you're the one trying to make the plays. There's some freak athleticism there, too. So taking a look at this week, both of you guys have been with the program for a while now. And 10-0, and 0, you guys go into the week. And to really fall the way you did, how frustrating was it for you guys throughout the game? Did you feel like there was more you could have done? Uh, I mean, it is, it is frustrating. Of course it's frustrating. But, I mean... And in, in, in every loss, I, there's there's always something that you could see that you could you could get better off of. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like maybe maybe this was a sign just to show us, hey, you can't be complacent. Hey, we got to get better each and every week. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think we're going to take strides from this loss. Well, hopefully. And, and as I turn to you, Mason, really for the offense, this was maybe the, the lowest point total of the season. But it seemed like you guys were just a hair off for much of the week. What can you guys do moving forward to Colgate to try and fix that? And how much do you as an offense look back at this last week as a learning experience? Uh, it's definitely a learning experience. I think our game plan for this year, this week is just to go back to the camp and focus on our technique and our fundamentals and pretty much just go back to the basics and try to be, be a unit again, just be a one, one big unit and just go back, go back out. And like in the beginning of the season, we were just killing our offense, and I think that's what we want to do against Colgate. So looking forward to this Colgate game, what have you seen already, whether it's on film or whether it's just what you remember from last year, a very tight game, and what do you anticipate seeing from them, what they're going to bring defensively at you guys? I mean, they're they're a great team. They, they have been a great team uh, historically uh, in the Patriot League. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough game. They um, they don't they don't really have anything to play for, but they're looking to up, upset us and send us home. So it's pretty much win or go home from here. So we're just going out there, and we're going to play our hardest. Yeah, well, and as we turn to Ian here, you obviously remember last year really a tight game down the line. What do you remember from that game? And if memory serves, that was the, the combination to the locker room password for, for a lot of the offseason. You guys took that loss very personally, didn't you? Yes, sir. Um, and, and, and the thing that I, re- I remember mostly about that loss is, is just that just how close we we were to having like those games that we won by less than three points, or we did lose by less than three points, and that's what we trained all off season for. You know what I'm saying? To make those games that we won or lost by little to make them bigger than bigger than three points, or make them blowouts. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think we just we 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 got we got something coming for them. All right, well, Ian Williams, a Fordham cornerback who I, I think should be all Patriot League and a Fordham left tackle, Mason Halter, who 
when it's all said and done, could be receiving similar praise by the end of the year. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thank it. You Thank you very much. Time to take a look ahead as Fordham prepares for their final regular season game of the year against Colgate. And we sit back down with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead to do just that. And, Coach, when you take a look at Gavin McCarney and the Colgate squad, it would be easy to call them underachievers. But what do you see from them on film? It seems like they've got a nice squad there. Uh, yeah, they're the reigning Patriot League champions. And, you know, it was a track meet last year. I believe there was almost 1,200 yards of total offense, and they've got the preseason, uh, you know, offensive player of the year, Gavin McCarney. And, you know, he's certainly a, <laughs> a um, force to be reckoned with at any point during the season. But, I mean, the big thing is you take a look at, at both sides of the ball, and, you know, they've really been beset by injuries this year. And, uh, you know, I think they've done a good job battling adversity and coming back every week and figuring out a new way to score points and stop people. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not sure there's a, a guy on our team that's beaten Colgate. Um, so, you know, it's a uh, tough place to play. They're very well coached. They play hard. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to earn every inch. And there's been a lot of parity so far in the Patriot League. You look at teams like Lafayette, Lehigh, Colgate in contention till the very end. What do you think that parity says about the talent in the Patriot League? That, that you have to be on your A game every week. You know, you look at it and you try to compare scores and say this team's going to do this or this team's going to do that based on who they've beaten or who they've lost to. And, there really is no set formula. So, um, you know, you have to earn it during the week with your preparation, give great effort, and execute on game day. And, uh, you know, we've done that. You know, I've told our kids it's been a full calendar year since our last loss. I believe it was November 17th of 2012. So, you know, this um, you know, this is our first true test of adversity of the 2013 season. And, uh, you know, I'm confident our kids will respond well. Well, and you guys dealt with some adversity last week. Quarterback Michael Niebrick, you, you told us last week on Monday Night Quarterback, injured the meniscus in his knee, went through a lot of treatment to try and get back last week, was dressed and was an emergency replacement if they needed them uh, him to come in. What's his status this week and moving forward? And is there anything you feel that you might need to tailor your game plan to because of his injury? No, he. And I mean, that's exactly right. And I wasn't, I mean... It was the truth. I mean, he was doubtful for the game based on how his rehab went. And, you know, if Peter had gone down with an injury and not been able to gone back in a game, Mike would have went in. But he hadn't taken a practice rep the entire week. Certainly he had digested the game plan mentally and knew what was going on. But, you know, uh, you know that's why he was in an emergency capacity. But, I mean, he practiced on Sunday. Uh, you know, he's wearing a brace. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go during the week. But we're formulating our game plan now. And, you know, he told me don't do anything differently. Just do what we do. And, you know, uh, he'll adjust his game as necessary based on how his knee feels. All right, let's talk about some of the guys that Colgate have on the field, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Gavin McCarney playing quarterback, a veteran guy at quarterback. They have Russell running back, DeSico as a wide receiver. What are you guys going to have to do defensively to contain these offensive weapons for Colgate? I think you have to be gap sound, uh, and you have to watch out for the explosive plays. I think Coach Hunt... Um, their offense coordinator does a tremendous job creating numbers and angles in the run game, and they'll read just about everybody. They read interior, interior defensive linemen, they read ends. And, um, you know, McCarney's very good with, with, with uh, ball handling and fakes and things like that. And um, So the number one thing you're going to have to do is be gap sound, uh, have great eye discipline, and make sure that, that you're, uh, you know, supporting the run well. And then on top of that, we, you know, that when you have to commit that many people to the box and, the run game that gives them an opportunity to get behind you with the pass game. So I think we'll have to have a, a good balance of being able to stop the run, uh, but at the same time watching out for the or being mindful of, of the play-action pass. 
Well, and looking back at the last week of play, Ross Sherman really had an effective week against you guys. Really, the entire Lafayette running game did. So how do you make sure that a, a dual-threat passer like Gavin McCarney is contained and then the running game in total, which last year did very uh, very well against Fordham? Yeah, it's <laughs> wish there were an easy solution. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you have to kind of go through the film, you know, game plan, you know, see the things that they do well and, you know, take your defensive personnel and what do they do well and how you're going to stop it. And, um, you know, I, I, I trust Coach Blackwell and his staff defensively to put together a good plan, which they've done, you know, a majority of the time this year. And at the end of the day, I'm not concerned about yards. I'm concerned about points. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, we'll be able to put a game plan together, but it's going to be very difficult. And obviously Colgate is a team coming into this game that doesn't necessarily have anything to play for. You guys, on the other hand, have a lot to play for, fighting for an at-large playoff bid. How important would it be for you guys to win this game and try to get maybe a home playoff game? I mean, we're really looking at this as the first round of the playoffs, and our kids understand that, that, uh, you know, we need to win this game. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that, that we're mentally and physically prepared to go up there and play our best game of the season because we understand we're, you know, we want to talk about 1-0. and well, This is truly 1-0. and So um, if we want the season to be extended and we want to play some more games and hopefully have the opportunity to play another home game, and, you know, we had a great contingency of, of students, you know, come down to Lafayette, and I wish we had played better and gave them a little bit more to cheer about. But you know, I think it would be, a, uh, you know, we need to take care of business against Colgate, and if we're fortunate enough, you know, it would be great to have a, another time to, for our seniors and this team to, to, to play in front of the home, home, home crowd. Well, I want to take that another step. Lafayette is about an hour and a half away. When you look at even Villanova a year ago, they were ranked when you went to their place. It was, again, about an hour and a half yeah. away. And you can tell the difference in the number of fans that went. It really, it felt almost like a home game with the number of fans that came to support Fordham at Lafayette last week. What kind of difference does that make for you to see between the start of your tenure here where I think a lot of Fordham fans were waiting for the Rams to slip up to right now where I think everyone believes this team is a national championship contender no I think it's a tremendous test tremendous testament to, to our players and their belief in our philosophy and you know their ability to find a way to win games and you know certainly the, the student support and the fan support and alumni support at our home games has been unbelievable and then even you, you look back to the Yale game, all of our road games, we've had, a, we've had a strong contingent of fans there, and they were very vocal at the outset of the Lafayette game and throughout the game, even though we weren't, like I said, giving them, you know, a lot of the things to cheer about. But, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, like I said before, this is, this is the uh, rule rather than the exception. And finally, just for me, Coach, your final keys to the game. <laughs> uh, turnover margin, <laughs> uh, explosive plays, red zone defense, and third down conversions. And, Coach, I'll close with this. Look back to the Colgate game here a year ago. It seemed like you were able to get the team to really believe you You ended up being down eight. But you essentially told your defense, let them into the end zone. We're going to drive. We're going to score. We're going to get the two-point conversion. You came the two-point conversion short a year ago. What do you remember from that game, and did it leave a bit of a bitter taste in your mouth to end the year? Well, the first thing was, you know, that the kids never gave up. When we talk about finish, I mean, they they really – they battled to the end with the defense letting them score and then having to block the extra point, which we did, mm-hmm. and then recovering the ball and driving whatever it was, 80-plus yards, getting a touchdown on the fourth down play to Brian Wetzel. And then, uh, you know, kind of bittersweet there, missing the um, 
missing the two-point conversion. But, yeah, it certainly left a better, bitter taste in our mouths. And, you know, when we talked about what our extra degree was and the, the whole 212 thing this year, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, turning close losses into wins and, and finding out what we need to do to, to uh, you know, take that margin of error and turn it into our favor. All right, well, Coach, surely win or lose, we'll be watching next Sunday at 11 a.m. We'll likely have a selection show live here on FordhamSports.com. But regardless of what happens, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for joining us. We had Ian Pace as well, as well as Ian Williams and Mason Halter. Thanks to all of them for joining us on this edition of Monday Night Quarterback. For Nick Legerfo, myself, Mike Watts, and our entire WFUV crew, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.